You still have children together. Try and make it work. You go your way. You know, I really just want to move on. I don't want no bitterness. I don't want no war. I don't want nothing. But if you force me into a corner, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to fight back. Welcome to Why Daddy Never Cries podcast with your host, Chuck Kelleher. At Why Daddy Never Cries, we'll explore the lives surrounding daddies, their children, divorce, and silent domestic violence. We'll hear real-life horror stories from unsung heroes fighting for the ability to stay in their children's lives. We'll get those voices heard and hopefully find solutions before you lunatics burn the whole place to the ground. Hang in there, daddies. Chuck's here. Chuck Kelleher and Why Daddy Never Cries are providing his podcast as a public service. I've known Chuck for 45 years, and he's neither a lawyer nor a mental health professional. He's not a doctor nor a rogue scholar by any stretch of the imagination. Chuck is simply a guy who's lived in hell for 20 years. Once he found a way out, he drew a map to help others navigate their own way home. The views and opinions expressed by Why Daddy Never Cries employees or our guests are their own. Guest appearance on the program do not imply an endorsement of them their opinions, or any entity they represent. And please, for the love of God, if you have any questions or fears about your unique circumstances, please contact a lawyer, a religious leader of your choice, or a medical professional in your area. Don't fuck this up, brothers, because we're all in this together. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Voss G2, for helping small and medium-sized businesses elevate their brand perception with design. Take your brand to the next level at VossG2.com. We'd also like to thank Harry Duran, and his team at Fullcast for their amazing assistance. If you're planning a podcast and you haven't contacted Fullcast, you might as well call your show Podfade. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Nicole. Appreciate it as always. We got a really good one today, folks. On today's show, we're talking with Joe, and Joe's figured out a way to differentiate between going through a living hell and business. And man, it makes sense what he's got to say, and he's going to walk us through it. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to the Why Did I Never Cries podcast, Joe. How are we doing? Brilliant. Just been in the gym 20 minutes. I feel I feel great. I've got to keep my uh, body in peak to keep my mind in peak. It's imperative. Body and mind go together. Body and mind go together. And I think too many men forget that. They get sidetracked by the emotional side of uh, break-up. They forget about the mind and the body. That's why so many men are in, uh, suffering from mental health issues at the minute. You know, over here in the UK, 3,000 men a year taking their own lives because of this shit. That's you know, crazy. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. There's nothing for men out there. As soon as the relationship disintegrates, everybody uh, gathers around the woman. You know, what can we do? Men are just sidelined. They kick to the curb. Forgotten about. Who cares? He's a man. Made to deal with it. Dust it off. Get back in the game. Yeah. Quite essentially. Yeah. Pick yourself up, brush yourself off, and carry on. I think your relationship with your ex is kind of like my relationship with my ex. You guys had kind of a yelling relationship as well. Not that it's a nice relationship, yeah, but um, it is what it was. It was quite fraught. The relationship has been quite fraught. She was married before once. And, you know, from what she says, it wasn't a very nice experience. Her upbringing wasn't the best. Her mum was a diamond. Her mum was from our family. So we've had an arranged marriage. Okay. Yeah. So her mum was from our family, and I was very close with my mother-in-law. She, she passed away uh, five years ago. Condolences. So, you know, her father was quite abusive. 
a brother's done many things that are, you know, I, I can't even repeat. Fair enough. Um, so she got brought up in not a very good environment. Her dad was abusive towards her mother, physically, emotionally, everything. And today, that same guy points his finger at me, and I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm failing to understand it, you know. People in glass houses really should not throw stones. Yes. You know, That's so this true. guy, <laughs> you know, this guy, he seems to be some authority all of a sudden. And I'm, like, I'm laughing to myself, thinking, really? You know what I mean? So, you know, because of an upbringing, and I thought, you know, just wait, she'll get better. Things will get better. Also, it's an arranged marriage. You just put up and shut up, and you carry on. You know, for the greater good of the family. Right. You know, three kids between us. Keep going. From the day her mother died, she became a different person. I want a divorce. I want a divorce. I'm going to divorce you. You give me a divorce. Even got our son to ask me for a divorce twice. Now, says, I've never asked you for a divorce. <laughs> really? It's just unbelievable. I've been gaslit for the last 16 years. I've detached myself. I'm not an emotional person anyhow. But I have detached myself completely. I mean completely. For me, everything from here on, I'm dealing with it in a business-like manner. But Joe, let's let the audience know what your uh, your situation is. So where do you call home these days? Um, I call home. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit crazy. I live next door to the ex. That sounds uh, like fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crazy times. I had a property um, which I shot with um, living accommodation. So it's my office. I built a little unit on the back and I used to work from home, more or less. Well, I fell out of back to bed. I was at work. A couple of years ago, my father bought the shop next door. He bought it for us, really. But things from there, slowly, slowly, went downhill. Last year, she got me arrested, got me thrown in the net, claiming ABH and an altercation from two years earlier, from 2020, assault. Um, so I had to move. I had to move. Luckily, my business was there as well. So I had to move my business and myself. Lucky for me, I had the shop next door, which was in my father's name anyhow. So the bill conditions were I had to move next door. Okay. So I moved the business next door and I went to live with my parents over in Briarfield. I lived there for about four months. And we were touring and throwing and, uh, you know, there were suggestions of maybe a reconciliation, you know, uh, and finding, you know, not destroying the family not destroying the business, you know. So I moved back because I wanted to be closer to the kids as well. There was a, a big divide going on between me and the children. And I didn't like that. So for that reason, you know, I, I moved back. I'd done the flat up, brand new, brand new carpets, kitchen, bathroom, furniture, everything. My little lad picked his own carpet for, for his bedroom, decorated it, everything. They were staying with me a couple of nights a week, every other night. You know, they were taking turns coming and stopping with me. Come March, she decided she was going to put a normal station order and occupation order in. Boom. Out of nowhere. So we've been split up since October, but she only come to the realisation that uh, this is what I want. I don't believe it was herself. I think it's friends, family, women's aid. That's unfortunate, but true. <laughs> These people gather around the woman, giving them advice. You know, there are situations out there that are abusive. You know, men are abusive. Women are abusive as well. Absolutely. It's not a one-sided thing. So there are situations that out there that merit so, uh, action. In our case, there was none, because I was going around to see Dulgen at, at her place next door. We're, we're meeting the street all the time. You know, we're crossing paths all the time. All of a sudden, out of the blue, I'm dangerous. I'm a, a physical abuser. I'm an emotional abuser, financial abuser, coercive control. 
and I'm dangerous. She's scared of me. Absolutely petrified, terrified of me. So like, where the hell is all this come from? It was just it just took me by surprise. I really never thought she would go down such a route. Yeah, another thing. But lo and behold, she did it. Anyway, a week later, I got a, a, a message from my older son from his mobile. What it is, our mum doesn't want us to see you no more. She or doesn't want I, you to see them anymore. Yeah, the children. The children aren't allowed to see me no more unless she gives explicit permission. <laughs> Coercive control indeed. Right. But the problem is, the problem is, Chuck, what I've come to the realisation. Now, all marriages, all relationships set healthy boundaries. Without boundaries, there's no respect. So you set boundaries in your relationship. When it comes to situations like this, it becomes coercive control. A woman, she never worked for the last 16 years we've been married. She's never done a day's work. So she's financially dependent upon me. But when it comes to this, it's financial abuse all of a sudden. When you respond to another person's disrespect, blatant, toxic disrespect, you become a domestic abuser. When in a situation you have to defend yourself, it becomes domestic violence. All terminologies have been skewed to meet a certain narrative. So I feel, I believe, in the West here, at this moment in time, there is a war on masculinity. Not a war on men, per se. It's a war on masculinity. What they call, what they term in toxic masculinity. Now, I honestly don't believe there's such a thing as a toxic masculinity. There's toxic in its own right. Right. And then there's masculinity in its own right. Because a man and a woman can be toxic. Agreed. But when you are masculine, you are masculine. You are traits of being a man. Women want to be looked after, to take, be taken care of. They want to be provided for. But when you do that, you become toxic. You can let someone live their dream, which actually that part of the system bothers me exponentially. It's not to repeat it or get too into it, but you end up, your wife stays home to raise the children because that was her dream. Then yeah. 16 years later, you're financially abusing her and now you you have to take care of her for the rest of her life. If the roles were reversed and you know she worked while you went through med school, then you would have to use that degree to take care of her. Yeah, yeah. However, if you stay home, let her stay home to fulfill that dream, that doesn't work in our favor. No. No. Or their favorite too, if the roles are reversed. Yeah, like I said, again, it, it tends to be the people around them and the people who are advising them. Like I said, women's aid promote these lies, blatant lies. You know, looking at a hospital report, police disclosure, and what she's told the courts, it's three different stories. Yet the courts aren't willing to acknowledge it. It beggars belief. And how they have three different stories and they can't put the pieces of the puzzle together beyond me. It's crazy. So at the minute, where I am at the minute is basically um, I agreed a non-molestation order on the basis that no fact-finding has taken place. So no finding of facts and also no blame, no admittance of any guilt to the allegations she okay. made against me. Now what leaves is an occupation order because she wants to get an occupation order on my property which, you know, I've made several suggestions because it's a commercial property. I will, you know, separate the flat from the shop. You can live upstairs with the children. They're my children at the end of the day. Uh, you know, they have a right over me uh, just the same way I have a right over them. Absolutely. As far as, me as, 
as far as me and her are concerned, it's done. It's finished. You, I am not responsible for you no more. And that's the be-all and end-all. Simply not responsible. Go and get yourself a job, which she had. You know, when we split up last year, one of the reasons she erupted was because I said to her that I was no longer going to support her no more, apart from the bare minimum, and you go, go and get yourself a job. You want the luxuries? Go and get yourself a job. I took my car off her, I took my mobile phone off her. You know what I mean? I said I was not no longer working seven days a week to be disrespected anymore in front of the children. Constantly berating me in front of the children. Not only me, but my family as well. There's only so much you can take. Agreed. You know, especially when you're working seven days a week to provide for that family. All of a sudden, you've never done anything. What have you ever provided for them? Not only, I didn't take her in, I took a daughter in as well. So I brought the daughter up for 16 years as well. And now, I'm dead to her. She's putting a statement against me to the police. She's coming to the occupation order as a witness in the courts. I'm dumbfounded. And you've raised this child since she was 16. I mean, for 16 uh, years. Since the age of three. Since the age of three. Protected her. Give her a roof over her head. Fed her. And today, I am the enemy. I brought her daughter up from another man. Now she's wanted to take my children away from me. Heartbreaking. So now, at this moment in time, I'm fighting an occupation order. So here in this country, uh, a non-molestation order and an occupation order generally go hand in hand. But we couldn't agree the terms. The judge at both two of the hearings said, look, I'm not happy with what you two guys are doing. You need to go away and reflect upon what you're doing. Now, it wasn't directed at me. It was more directed at her. Because the judges weren't happy with her bringing her adult daughter into court. Okay. It's frowned upon. Really frowned upon. So anyway, I agreed the normalization order. So now I'm fighting an occupation order. I'll give her several options. I'll separate the flat and the shop. You live upstairs, I can carry on doing my business. I can carry on paying the mortgage. I've got no problem with that. Okay. Rejected. So I'll give another option. She says she claims she wants to move out of the property at her earliest opportunity. So I said, okay, I'll pay a deposit for a two-bedroom property. You go. Take all the furniture, everything you require, take it. I've got no problem with that. Rejected it. So... The third option I give her, right, okay, you can have a six-month occupancy, pay me rent to pay the mortgage. Why do you feel so entitled? I'm this horrible monster. I'm, I'm an abuser. I'm, I'm, I'm everything in this world. But you want to live next door to me. Right. You should want to run miles and miles and miles away if you're that afraid of me. Would you, would you live next door to your abuser, Chuck? No. You wouldn't? No. I have amazing neighbors around me, which is awesome, but I, I wouldn't even want to live next to somebody I didn't like, let alone somebody I was afraid of. Oh, she's scared of me. I terrify her. She sees me in the street and she's she's breaking down. But she wants to live next door to me. So this is nothing to do with abuse or anything, but if it was anything to do with abuse, you were adamant I'm an abuser. Why did you accept a normal station order without any guilt on my behalf? So I'm fighting this occupation order at the minute. They come back to me last week. I've made me an offer. We'll, we'll agree to an amicable and seamless divorce if, if you uh, agree to an undertaking that she and the kids can stay in the property until the divorce is finalised. Okay. Which is basically a backdoor a forever uh, occupation order because an occupation order is only six months. So if I agree to it, until the divorce is finalized, she keeps rejecting it. 
I might be in this quagmire for the next two years. Right. You know, and the costs involved in these situations are enormous. I do feel that I break men because this is pure, pure financial abuse. The only way women think they can break a man is two, two ways. Children and money. Both work. And that, <laughs> that's what they go for. That's what they target. Because we are emotionally attached to our children. And, you know, it hurts. I see my children walk past me every day. They don't speak to me. They don't look at me. I don't exist. That can come back, brother. I had a similar instance, and they came back around. In fact, my the youngest or the oldest spent the weekend with me, which five years, six years ago, I wouldn't have thought that was ever possible. So prior to March the 7th, when she put in this non-molestation and occupation order, the kids were ringing me every day. They were coming around every day. They were telling me they loved me. You know, I was taking them out on weekends. I was giving them money, everything. Since the non-molestation order's gone in, they hate me all of a sudden. They think you're an animal. <laughs> but weren't I an animal before that? Right. And who who's leading them in that direction to think that? Yeah, no, I know. It's fine. <laughs> you know. But, you know, like I said, I've detached myself emotionally from this. It's a process. Men, as men, we have to come to terms with it's a process. Detach yourself emotionally. That's the only way you are going to save your own mental health. It def- definitely helps. Because the problem is, the problem, Chuck, is you're on your own. No one's going to come and save you. This is all on you. This is why I train every day. You know, it's Sunday. I've been in the gym. Some days I'm going twice a day. I'm doing 10 to 12 hit classes a week. The PTs aren't doing that many. I want to make a better version of myself. I want to make a version of myself even I don't recognize. I like that. I refuse to be broken by this inept system. I won't call the people involved corrupt. It's that the system is corrupt. It's an inept system. It's a broken system. The system is only there to emasculate men. This system is not here to protect children and men and women. No. It's all out to destroy men. The woman gets legal aid. She's supported fully. Man gets nothing. In fact, a man will probably lose his house. He'll probably lose all his money. If he's got a business, he'll lose his business. If he ends up in mental health, anxiety, depression, more likely he's going to lose his job. He's going to lose family and friends. I've been very, very, very lucky. She's been on a smear campaign, and I mean, but I'm very well known in the community. It's only a little village. I'm very well known. Okay. There's not many Pakistani families in the village. So, you know, I'm quite well known. I used to own a petrol station prior to this. Okay. So she's tried to destroy my reputation in the community with my neighbours. Even my friends, she's approached my friends in public and said, he's nobody, he's a snake. Watch him, he talks about you guys as well. Luckily, I've got really good friends and they've all rallied around me and they've been so supportive, it's just unbelievable. You know, I've I've got a lot to give to a lot of my friends. Family-wise, she's been destroying me with my family for the last four or five years. And the family has rallied around me like nobody's business. That's awesome. The support the support I've got from my family is out of this world. Friends and family. You know, even the neighbours. There's only one neighbour. She's got her best mate. She's a witness at the occupation order. She's the black widow of the town. Okay. Um, this is what she does. Goes around destroying homes and relationships. Uh, she's very well known. I've had 
several people approached me when we first moved here and they said, listen, Joe, there's one person, take our advice, keep away from her. She will destroy you. And uh, 13 years later... Seems like every town's got someone like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not even bothered about her. I see her every day. I walk past her. I smile yeah. at her. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's hard to look yourself in the mirror after being accused of some of those... Uh... Some of those things. I mean, you realize, you know, you're innocent, but man, the the looks from neighbors, friends, and you're you're right. They go around people talking. out there. People out there don't know the true ins and outs of what goes on. Look, relationships break every day. They have done in the past. They're doing so at the minute. They're going to carry on doing so. It, unfortunately, with time, people change. Yeah, you become different people. You're not compatible. You may, may, may have been compatible at the beginning, but over time, after children, after, you know, things change. You may no longer be compatible. Is it not easier just to go in an amicable manner, in an amicable, be as amicable as possible, go your own way? What's so hard about it? But no, we have to do it in a manner that destroys women, have to do it in a manner that destroys men to the core. They want to take away everything you have, not just financially, physically, mentally, emotionally, your family, your friends. They want to destroy. Mine wanted to see me in the gutter. She was 110% I would self-destruct. This guy is going to self-destruct. He is going to end up in the gutter. He's going to have no home. He's going to have no wife, no children, no money, no nothing, no business, no nothing. I refuse to be broken by this system and i refuse to be broken by my ex not gonna happen absolutely not going to happen but men need to step up they need to step up for the children the the, the most important thing is the children because they out of all this they're the ones who come out damaged Absolutely. Let's circle back around to that. So I had a similar instance where my children would walk away from me for a while. How do you handle it? Do you address your sons when they walk past you or? Smile at them. Yeah. I smile at them because no matter what happens, I'm still their father and they're still my children. 100%. Okay. Today may not like me. They might be bitter towards me because, you know, like I said, the, the children are the ones who suffered in all of this. You know, children don't like a broken home. Right. It has an emotional impact on them. It has an impact on their schooling. It has a mental impact on them. They're the ones who suffer in all of this. Just smile. Keep on going. You have to be present for the children in some manner. So I've had to go to court for access to my children. You have to. And I'm going to fight it tooth and nail. I've got no solicitors no more. I've sat my solicitors. I'm taking this with the help of paralegal. Uh, Mike and a couple of other lads from the uh, falsely accused network suggested her. And you know what? There should be more women like her in this world. You're talking Claire. I'm talking about Claire Hobson Webster. God bless her. Really, honestly, she's honest. She's straightforward with you. And, you know, she works with you. And she advises you in the best possible manner that is fitting for your situation. She has been a godsend for me. And I'm sure there's many other lads in that falsely accused network will say the same. In this country, uh, you can either have solicitors and barristers or you can have, you can become a litigated person so you represent yourself. Right. But you can get yourself what you call, what they call a McKenzie friend. So a McKenzie friend is usually a paralegal who was, you know, who studied law and who's chosen this route 
like Claire's been doing it for, uh, from what I think she said, about 10 years. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, and that's what she does, family law. That's all she does, family law. So she can be present in court. She can advise me. She can help me prepare statements. She can help me prepare questions, you know, for cross-examination. She can't represent me in court. Okay. So I have to do that myself. So she'll write it all down and what whatnot, and I have to represent myself. She's brilliant. I mean, she is out of this world. She knows what she's talking about. I'm glad. I'm glad uh, guided towards her. She's been brilliant. I'm going to have to try to talk but to her know, because she definitely has some stories to tell. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I went to see her the other day, actually. Was it yesterday or Friday? I had to uh, pass her on my file. But yeah, I think you should get her on your show. Oh, I'm definitely going to have to ask her. Joe, bring us up to speed. What's going on with you and the missus today? Today, these are all the things she's calling me. Narcissism is the buzzword of the century. Mm-hmm. A toxic narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder. They all use this, and I'm noticing it. As soon as they, they throw the kitchen sink at you, the first word they use, narcissist. But today's TikTok psychologists have turned that into every day. But the thing is, we all display narcissistic traits. Everybody and, has no, narcissistic traits. And every report says that. But these TikTok psychologists, as soon as a man is accused of domestic violence, he becomes a narcissist. Nine times out of ten, these TikTok psychologists don't have a clue what narcissism really is. All they're looking at is narcissistic traits, which, like I said, everybody displays them. Right. Man and woman. Just because you have narcissistic traits does not make you a narcissist. And these women are going going around and just pointing, he's a narcissist, he's a narcissist, he's a narcissist. That's all they say, he's a narcissist. It's interesting you say that because when the internet came out, all the web, I'm, I'm going to say WebMD, but maybe not them particularly, people would go on and they'd see the symptoms and they'd be diagnosed with the worst case scenario every every time. <laughs> I'm seeing the same with mental health. You know, if, 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 if we went off these t- TikTok doctors and specialists and psychologists, we'd be dead by the end of the week. <laughs> Am I right? Absolutely. There'd be no man left on this uh, on this planet. But, you know, uh, Chuck, it, it saddens me that men in the West are going through a really, really, really tough time at the minute. Really tough time. And the reason being, the rise in feminism has brought about a culture of emasculating men. It's not a war on men. A lot of people say there's a war on men. I don't believe it's a war on men. It's a war on masculinity. Women are more masculine than men now. But that's okay. That's okay. It's okay for a woman to be masculine or have masculine traits. But it's no good for a man to be masculine anymore. It'll take a while to change that. <laughs> I don't understand it. But, you know, I, I'm a Muslim. You know, I've been born Muslim. I've been brought up a Muslim. By far, you know, I'm, I'm not the best of Muslims, you know. Nobody's perfect in this world. Agreed. But we in the uh, in the Muslim community, in the Asian community, have another problem. We have the problem not just of feminism, but Muslim feminists. So Muslim feminists. So feminism is uh, all about the equal everything equal, straight down the middle. I do fifty, you do fifty. Finances, children, housework, work, whatever. Everything is feminism. Is fifty fifty. 
which I'm all for. Yeah. I've got no problem with that. Absolutely no problem with that. The problem with Muslim feminists is they still want your resources because according to the religion, you are the provider. The woman doesn't have to do anything. You know, your money is her money. So a Muslim feminist wants your resources and all and everything of your resources. But when it comes to 50-50 of the finances and so forth, oh, no, 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 no. That's when feminism kicks in. <laughs> so the problem with the Muslim feminists is not only do they want your resources, they want a double helping. So they want your resources and they want their feministic rights as well at the same time. You know, to, to, to have that freedom, to go about doing what they want, when they want, how they want. No boundaries in place, no nothing. So they wanted double helping. And that, in our community, our community has always been solid. And I see all around me at the minute, uh, Chuck, it's failing, it's breaking down. And it's breaking down in the most horrible of manners. You know, women are uh, accusing their ex-husbands of sexual abuse. I have a friend here who's been uh, accused of sexual abuse. I know guys who have been uh, accused of abusing their children. I don't know what's going to happen with our community. I'm, very, I'm really, really, really fearful for them. So for me, moving on from this, how I go about dealing with the situation is in a business-like manner. Your segues are your segues are perfect. I didn't even have to ask the question. Please tell tell these gentlemen out there how to go you know, about this. You have to you have to take control. I'm a salesman. You know, um, I keep getting told, "Oh, ego, ego, being egotistic is a narcissistic trait." If I've not got no ego, how am I a salesman? I can't Absolutely. even be a salesman. Yeah, a salesman has an ego the size of a mountain. 100%. You've got to go because I, I deal with a lot of big companies, industrial. How many other salesmen go through that door in a month? You're mm -hmm. not the only one. What makes you stand out? You have to stand out. Your head has to be above everybody else's. You have to compartmentalize everything that is going on. You know, so I've got four situations now. I've got the occupation order. I've got the divorce, I've got the children, and I've got the financial settlement. Okay. So I've got four battles yet to fight. One's down, no station orders down. I've still four more battles to fight. I'm focused on each and every single one in a business-like manner. I have set out, I don't want to talk in, you know, in, uh, I don't want to get intricate about it, but I have set out what I want in this situation and how I am going to go about controlling the narrative. She said in court twice, she's going to give me a divorce. I'm going to petition a divorce. I want my money. I want to be out of this relationship. Has she? No. I wonder why. Because that way she loses control. Right. Because I want to lose control. It's for you to take back the control. So when I walk into a room and I've got two two directors in front of me, I have to be in control of that situation. You know, I, I, I have to be in control of that situation. I have to control the narrative because I want these guys to buy from me. Not the other 10 guys who have just been through the door. I want them to buy from me. Absolutely. So I have to, you know, I have to sell the product 
Not only have I to sell the product, but I've got to sell myself as well. Sales 101. 100%. People buy from people. So when I'm going to court, I am selling myself. Every time for each situation I go to court, I have to sell myself. I have to make that judge believe I'm the one to be believed. I have to. Otherwise, he lost. That's correct. So when I go into a room and I'm selling, I have to get that sale. I have to get that sale in some way or another. I don't believe in undercutting. Never have done. I sell a product. I sell a quality product. The product sells itself. That's half the job done. The other half is selling myself. When you're in court, you have to sell yourself. You have to be the credible witness. You have to. Absolutely. You've got to work on that. You have to work on that. And I think too many men go in um, not realizing that. And they get obliterated in court. They get destroyed. Especially, especially if you are representing yourself, you'll get destroyed. Even when they ask you a question, even when they ask you a question, you're going to have to sell yourself on the answer. Because if you come across oh, yeah. screaming, yelling, you just proved everything they said you were. The, the last thing you want to do in court is start screaming and yelling. Uh, th- that's the last thing you want to do in court. Agreed. Don't do that. That is where you will lose. Unfortunately, it's a battle. How you go prepared into this war, into this battle, is what's going to benefit you. So like I said, everything for me now is a business. It's all about self-preservation. Take control of your body, the mind will work with it. Take control of the situation and look at it through a business lens. How you can preserve what you want and what is best for you and your children. Because the other side is not looking out for you. The other side is only interested in themselves. They're not looking out for your children. Children are the collateral damage to them, which is a shame. Yes. They are happy to use the children against you. In the community, with your friends, with your family, in the courts, they're happy to do that. Mine, when she went to, to, to the hospital last year, after putting her own fist through the glass door window, blaming the ch- blaming it on me to the children, going to the hospital claiming it was herself, telling the police it was her, her fault, and then taking me to court for it. But in the in the hospital report, it says quite clearly, there's never been violent towards the children, or you know, there's never been a physical abuse towards the children. She yells at them from time to time. Now. In March, I put a fist to one of my boys' face. In April, I threatened to break his legs. And in uh, May, I threatened to kick fuck out the older one. These are your boys, then? That, these are my boys. This is what hurt. you're telling the court. Yeah. You know, so, are they bothered about the children? I don't think they are. I really don't think they are. They're all they're bothered about is themselves and what they can extract from you. With mine, it's all about money and control. Nothing else. Because like I said at the beginning, I am this monster. I am this, I'm a crazy guy. You know, I'm dangerous. You're scared of me. But you're trying to get an occupation order whereby you can live next door to me. In fact, you're trying to get my property off me through the back door. So how scared really are you of me? 
Well, if she gets the property, can she have you move from next door? No. Well, normal station order is a 100-meter marker. Right. So you're not allowed within 100 meters of... Usually, it's, it's the woman. But because I live next door, my business is next door, they pull that. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, it's fair. I mean, this is where my business is. It's not like I'm just hanging out. The thing is, I, I still have a unit on the back of the old property as well, you see, which I have pulled off stock. So it was difficult for them to basically implement the 100-meter marker. Like I said, uh, Chuck, you know, I've carried on. I picked myself up. I, do, I did. Don't get me wrong. I did go through a bit of anxiety for the first four months. But from March, when her family decided it was over, that's it. It's over. I'm done. Time to move on. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I spoke to her on the 6th of March and said, right, I'll be want to deal with the divorce. Let's go down. Um, no fault. Make it as amicable as possible. Get your money. You go your way. I'll go my money. Make it easy. Make it easy. On the 7th, she's put in for the domestic station order and occupation order. Well, not on the 6th, she says to me, I've not decided yet. <laughs> hey, You've been and told me that it's over. Your brother's only dad told him it's over, and yet you've not decided yet. You decided for her then. <laughs> you, so you I've fi- decided. Yeah, you filed. Yeah, so I filed the divorce. I filed the divorce. I've done it myself. Like I said, this is all business to me now. I want to be in control. I'm going to control this narrative. You have to. If you let them keep controlling the narrative, you're, not, you're going to lose. You're going to lose everything you have. It actually might be the great teaser for the show. <laughs> At the end of each of our shows, we try to throw advice out to the younger guys or the other guys because you're not necessarily young going through this either. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's generally, I think it's our age group who are going through this mostly at the minute. Between uh, so, 45 and 55, I'm noticing there seems to be a bit of constraint. Same, same. It's, uh, it's unfortunate because... It's not just in the UK, Chuck. I think it's all over the world. It is. Some great phenomena has, has occurred between 45 and 55, that relationships. But the thing is, like I said, Chuck, people change, time changes. You know, you become different people. You, you know, one's compatible, no longer compatible. You still have children together. Try and make it work. You go your way. You know, let's not be bitter and twisted about it. Yeah. You know what, truthfully, even now, I'm not bitter and twisted about it. I just want to get on with my life. I've got this noose around my neck. I just want this noose gone. I just want to move on. I'm 47. I've still got a bit of life in me. I just want to, I I really just want to move on. I don't want no bitterness. I don't want no war. I don't want nothing. But if you force me into a corner, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm going to fight back. There's two ways you can go about it. Either you can do it in an amicable manner or divorce is dirty. It's dirty. Yeah. You can go the dirty route. Take your pick. Take your pick which one you want to go down. The dirty route is not the good route. You are going to destroy a lot more than what you are going to achieve from it. And that's both for men and women. And the biggest losers, the children. 1,000%. The children are the biggest losers. They are the biggest losers. Try and limit damage limitation with the children. Try and limit the damage, the impact on the children. One of the guys on the Fulton Accused Net- Network yesterday, and he was talking about going back. When I read that, I was like, "Ow, that is." <laughs> well, I, I hope he hears the episode we released today because third arrest was the charm for John. <laughs> no go. How can you go back? How can you? 
How can you repair that damage? You know, you've been arrested, you've been accused of all sorts, all sorts. You know, you're a monster. I believe once a woman calls the police on you once, once, it becomes a habit then. They'll do it again, or they'll do it again. When I had to move next door, she rung the police. Uh, police turned up. I says, uh, what's up? Over by the phone call. I says, uh, what's that for then? Uh, your ex says she can hear your voice. I can't control the voices in her head. <laughs> I cracked up laughing. I thought they'd take it. Mickey, I says, what? Oh, she, she, she says she can hear your voice. She says, what do you want me to do? Cut my tongue out. <laughs> I, I says, I says, what bail conditions have I broken? We don't know. I says, so what are you doing here? She can hear your voice. <laughs> Where do we go from here, gentlemen? <laughs> I'm like, really? You're on the downhill spiral. Protect yourself. Fellas, protect yourself. That's what I will say. Protect yourself. Because nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody's going to come and protect you. Nobody is going to save you, in essence. Yeah. Only you can do that. You've got some groups now. You know, there's support groups out there now, and they're growing more and more each day. You know what? Honestly, this falsely accused network has been a godsend. Yes. You know, my heart goes out to all of them guys on there. A lad in his 20s has joined yesterday. You know, it's like, when I seen that lad in his 20s, all that, wow, wow. Got a long way to go. He's got a long way to go. But, you know, if if he learns this harsh lesson today, it might protect him for the future. True. But, you know, I have no hatred towards women. I love women. I'll be honest with you. Same. You know, I have no I have no hatred towards women. Unfortunately, there's a tiny amount, and it's not a big big amount, you know, there's a tiny amount of them who are ruining it, who are ruining it. Not all women are the same, just like all men are the same. Correct. And I do truly believe that there's somebody for everybody else. I know, I found love again. You know, um, just because you can't see it today doesn't mean they're not there. There is somebody out there for you. Agreed. You've got to work on it. You've got to find it and you've got to work on it. Don't blame them for the sins of somebody else either. No, 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 you can't. You can't. You know, you can't. Many men go down that route. Yeah. And, you know, they they become quite bitter towards women. I'm not bitter towards women. I love women. (laughs) (laughs) The more the merrier. And on that note, sir, Joe, thank you very. <laughs> no problem, Chuck. <laughs> thank you very much for coming on the show, brother. I look forward to talking really? to you again and uh, keep in touch. You know, man. Hat off to you, Chuck. Hat off to you, Chuck, for what you're doing. You're bringing out men's plight. You know, men are going through. Like I said, men in the West are going through a really tough time. Yeah, they a are really tough time. And the, the problem is, uh, society is trying to emasculate them. We get more brave men uh, telling their stories. I'm glad the guys will realize they're not alone. You know, if you want me back on any time. I'm quite happy to come back on Chuck. As you've realized, I like the sound of my own voice. <laughs> and you got four more silos to break, so there's four different episodes right there. <laughs> Have a great you weekend, brother. Yourself, you, you too. too. Thank you very much. I'll talk bye. to you soon. Good on, mate. Bye. Be good, brother. We must get our voices out there. Send us your stories to Why Daddy Never Cries at Gmail or Why Daddy Never Cries on Facebook. Remember, this is a daily and sometimes hourly struggle. So follow us on Daddy Never Cries at Twitter and Why Daddy Never Cries on Instagram and let your voice be heard. Let's end the fatherless children's syndrome that's plaguing this world. I want to give a special shout out to Joe for putting up with me during that interview. I had a bit of a stomach bug. I hope it doesn't shine through that much. Okay, let's recap. Make sure you know what you want going into this. You're not going to know immediately. 
You're going to have to sit down in a quiet place, talk with some friends, and figure out what it is you're going to need to make your life and your children's lives better. Know that before you go into court. If this is big business, let's treat it as a business deal. It's hard not to have the emotion in it. It's your kids. But if you can take the emotion out of it, you have the better chance of succeeding. Definite ways to save your mental health. Work out. Find a hobby. Do something to take your mind off the nonsense. Don't let the flames engulf you. And I think some of the best advice is, once they call the cops on you, they're going to do it again and again. So get your ass out of there. You've got this, Daddy. Remember my mantra. I am Daddy. I've got this. I am Daddy. I've got this. You can't change what happened to you, brothers. So figure out how to make it work for you and your children. When life gave me lemons, I said to hell with a glass. I'm making an international lemonade franchise. So until next time, take a deep breath. You've got this, Daddy. Don't know where, where we